Vitito's handmade vodka was ice cold, condensation trickling down the copper metal shaker. It's got to be fresh lime, they drawled. Tart, but balanced. They weren't normally this finicky about cocktail hour. But with Tito's, it had to be perfect. Simple syrup, the final ingredient. The sound of shaking filled the room to the brim. For the perfect pour at next week's book club, try the Tito's Gim Literature. Find the recipe at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a meaty middle about the word suffragette and other gender-specific nouns. And a tidbit about the word ginormous. Is it really as new as it seems? A while ago, I wrote a piece for the Washington Post blog answering this question they got from a reader. Quote, My mom just criticized me for describing Anna Kendrick as a comedienne. We've done away with stewardess and editrix, but what about actress? And should we stop referring to Hispanic women as Latina? When are gender-specific titles appropriate, if ever? Unquote. And then, more recently, Michael L. from Palm Springs wrote in and said, quote, I just watched the new trailer for the upcoming Meryl Streep movie, Suffragette. I'm very curious to know how that word came to be, unquote. So it seemed like a good time to address the topic again. These days, gender-specific nouns are often considered inappropriate. Our stewards and stewardesses are now flight attendants, and our policemen and policewomen are now just officers. All the major style guides recommend avoiding gender-biased language. There are exceptions. For example, the AP style book does still recommend waiter and waitress instead of server. But today, those exceptions seem a little surprising, and they're becoming more rare. To directly answer one of the reader's questions, comedian sounds old-fashioned to me, and casting director Bonnie Gillespie says that these days, people in the industry tend to use stand-up or comic to avoid the gender issue altogether. Actress seems less antiquated because the industry still separates men and women for awards, choosing a best actor and best actress, for example. Still, award shows are the exception, and according to Gillespie, people in the industry typically refer to men and women as simply actors. In this case, the AP Style book says that both actress and actor are fine for a woman. Gillespie says, quote, When I get emails or calls from talent agents picking a new client for something I'm casting, they'll almost always say, I just signed this great new actor, she's a redhead, and so on. She continues, there's a negative connotation behind the word actress, almost generationally. People in the industry who are 70-plus will say actress more than those of us who were raised during a different era, as feminism goes. And they may mean nothing derogatory in using the word actress. Whereas someone who's in her 30s may be trying to make a dig if she uses the word, unquote. Moving on to the next part of the question, Latina doesn't seem to carry the same stigma as other gendered words. 
style guides support the Latino-Latina distinction and note that it's sometimes preferred over Hispanic. Since the Spanish language uses gendered nouns, having masculine and feminine forms seems like less of a call-out. It follows a normal pattern instead of hinting at bias. Alternatively, David Morrow, a senior editor at the University of Chicago Press, which publishes the Chicago Manual of Style, speculates that people may view Latina differently because the word isn't formed by adding a diminutive suffix, such as ESS, to a noun that describes a man, and therefore isn't loaded with gender bias in the same way as a word such as authoress. In her book, Wouldn't Take Nothing for My Journey Now, Maya Angelou reiterates this sentiment, writing, quote, The woman who survives intact and happy must be at once tender and tough. She must resist considering herself a lesser version of her male counterpart. She is not a sculptress, poetess, authoress, Jewess, negress, or even now rare in university parlance, a rectoress. A rose by any other name may smell as sweet, but a woman called by a devaluing name will only be weakened by the misnomer. Unquote. The Tito's handmade vodka was ice cold, condensation trickling down the copper metal shaker. It's got to be fresh lime, they drawled. Tart, but balanced. They weren't normally this finicky about cocktail hour. But with Tito's, it had to be perfect. Simple syrup, the final ingredient. The sound of shaking filled the room to the brim. For the perfect pour at next week's book club, try the Tito's Gim Literature. Find the recipe at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Linguist Neil Whitman also notes that using gendered nouns in English is usually fine when we have male-female pairs, such as duke and duchess, or abbot and abbess, because, quote, the male-specific term never refers to both males and females, unquote. So the sexes are treated equally. For example, if an organization describes itself as a club for dukes, we know it only allows men— but if a talent agency says it represents actors, we know it represents both men and women. The inclusive nature of actor makes it different from Duke, which in turn makes actress different from Duchess. In the past, English gendered nouns were a lot more common than they are today. A dive into the Oxford English Dictionary surfaces many feminine nouns that sunk under the weight of history. The Wycliffe Bible, an important Middle English document written in the late 1300s, introduced the terms neighboress, singeress, 
servantess, dwelleress, sinneress, friendess, and spouseess. Around the same time, Chaucer coined herdess, charmeress, constableess, and guideress. Later, Shakespeare's two noble kinsmen included a soldieress. Early modern English speakers could also discuss a farmeress, a monarchess, a flatteress, and a saintess. Although the ESS suffix is the most familiar to us today, it's not the only suffix we can use to feminize a word. For example, women fighting for the right to vote were sometimes called suffragettes. As Bonnie Tranga noted in a recent episode on diminutives, other ETTE words include kitchenette, majorette, and coquette. Suffrage comes from a Latin word that means to vote or to support with a vote. And according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the meaning the right to vote first showed up in the U.S. Constitution, which reads, No state shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Suffragette first appeared in the British newspaper The Daily Mail in 1906. Moving on, the feminine S-T-E-R suffix mainly survives in the word spinster to describe an unmarried woman, and which still sounds fussy enough to evoke Jane Austen or Downton Abbey. But spinster first simply meant a woman who spins, as in spinning thread at a spinning wheel. Women during the same era could be called Brewsters, Knitsters, female knitters, and Seamsters, female sewers. Seamster lost a linguistic battle with seamstress, which, of course, we still have today. Amelia Earhart was the most famous aviatrix, but English also once had administratrixes, executrixes, mediatrixes, female mediators, and inheritrixes. And alas, although editrix is more delightful to say, a Google Ngram search shows that editress has always been more popular. But unless you're joking, eschew them both and stick with editor today. The list goes on, but citations for most of these gendered terms mostly disappeared by the late 1800s. A 1903 citation for poetress, for example, is simply someone writing to say the word is outmoded. And when writers today use words such as heroess, the sentences sound ironic or comical. The terms that survived to more modern times, such as comedienne, stewardess, and sculptress, began to encounter resistance in the 1970s, when social change caused writers, editors, and public figures to rethink the role of gendered language. In an article in the journal American Speech, Charles F. Meyer, professor of applied linguistics at the University of Massachusetts in Boston, noted that in 2000, when he taught students about language changing to de-emphasize nouns that flag a person as female, instead of dealing with angry objections as he had in decades past, he's now greeted with yawns and so-whats. Just as nobody misses neighboress, today's younger people don't seem to miss waitress or stewardess either. And that was your meaty middle. Thanks for the suffragette question, Michael. For our tidbit, Samantha Enslin answers this question from Jack, one of our readers from Denver. He said, I was in Walmart this weekend, and in the checkout, they had novelty lighters that were way too big to be useful. The display called them ginormous lighters. Can you help with this? So often you've found that newly popular words are in fact very old, unquote. Well, Jack, you're right. Ginormous is not new. 
This word, which means extremely large, can be traced back to World War II. It first showed up in the slang of the British Armed Forces. It was put into print in 1948 in the Dictionary of Forces slang, and again in 1962 in the Dictionary of Sailors slang. Examples in the books include a ginormous brush with the enemy and a ginormous raid upon the enemy's shipping. So the term started off as military slang. Is it still slang, or is it now a real word? Well, it depends on whom you ask. The Oxford English Dictionary introduced the term in 1989, but still marks it as slang. Merriam-Webster's, however, counts it as, quote, real. In 2007, the dictionary admitted ginormous into its pages. Merriam-Webster noted its etymology as a combination of gigantic and enormous. Some language purists objected, but Merriam-Webster president John Morse defended the choice. He said, quote, There will be linguistic conservatives who will turn their noses up at a word like ginormous, but it's become part of our language. It clearly has staying power, unquote. Staying power indeed. A search of 2015 news finds ginormous in publications from people to nature to the Financial Times. In other words, it's everywhere. One caution, though. Although ginormous is an accepted word, consider the context in which you use it. It still retains a casual, humorous tone, so it may not be the best choice for formal writing. And that's your tidbit for today. Ginormous is a real word and dates back to the 1940s. You can use it in your writing, but save it for less formal pieces. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. Everyone knows that the best way to tell a good story is over a good drink. Spirit in a Bottle, Tells and Drinks from Tito's Handmade Vodka, brings them together. In its first-ever cocktail book, Tito's offers fans recipes, mixology tips, and a never-before-seen look at its journey from a one-room distillery to becoming America's favorite vodka. Order your copy today at titosvodka.com book. Read it and sip with Tito's. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.